0: Well, happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter, Pastor Jeff. Happy Easter. Yeah, it's great to see you guys, too. I've been looking to, forward to it all week. Happy Easter, everyone. You look very pretty, very pretty. And uh, I'm Sir Coles is thrilled that you stopped by this week. So it's, uh, it's good to see you. It's great to be together. Thank you for uh, taking the time out to pause and give, I think, the, the, the proper attention, right, to Jesus and celebrating his resurrection. And it's fun to do that together, and it's fun to focus on that. Hello, everyone out in the cafe. Thanks for, uh, for coming out and being part of this as well. And it is, uh, it is fun to, to be together. My name's Jeff, by the way. If I haven't met you before, I'd love to do that after the service. Um, I'll uh, usually hang out near the tent, and so I'd love to, uh, to meet you, shake your hand a little bit, and, uh, and say hi. It's a, it's a great week, and what we're doing this weekend is a couple of things. Of course, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, so we're going to really lean into Easter and all that that means. And then kind of combined with that, we're also uh, starting a new series. And so uh, we're starting a new series called Before and After. I think it's going to be a, a great series. I'm real jacked to, to teach through it. What we're doing is we're looking at some of, the, some of the biographies of some of the people in the Bible and looking at how they viewed Jesus before the resurrection and then how they viewed him after the resurrection. And the people we're looking at were like kind of deeply opposed to Jesus before the resurrection. Some of them uh, wanted to outlaw him. Some of them wanted to kill him. Some of them just thought he was crazy. And then they, they themselves said that they interacted with the resurrected Jesus Christ. And after they interacted with him, they did a 180. Uh, they, they became followers and believers and they spent the rest of their lives uh, kind of proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In fact, uh, all of them except one that we're going to look at all died for it. They, they would not recant their, their, their claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. And uh, they were executed by government officials and others b- because of it. So it's going to be a fascinating thing uh, to go through. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And, and really what they were wrestling with are the same types of things that we wrestle with. Really the question of what, what do I do with the resurrection? Do I believe it? Do I buy it? What does that mean to me? And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that and, and kind of go through that journey together. To kind of kick that conversation off, I really want to start with just the resurrection and, and look at the resurrection of Jesus and dig into it a little bit this weekend and ask kind of those questions of ourselves and uh, understand more all that happened there. The the resurrection obviously is a very big deal. And I would take a a step further, and I would say it's actually the biggest deal. Everything that is Christianity is built off of the resurrection. Everything that is a a Christian worldview, uh, a Christian uh, kind of understanding of things, is built off the resurrection. Actually, most of our culture, most of what we would think of as, as North American culture, traditional culture, is built off the resurrection. It's a a huge, huge thing, and if you pull it out, if you pull it out of faith, if you pull it out of history, it literally alters everything. If you put it back in as a cornerstone, it it locks everything down and kind of empowers everything else that would surround following Jesus and would surround kind of a lifestyle that that springs out of that. In fact, I'll, I'll take it this far. When you start thinking about it, when you think about the Christian faith, The Christian faith is not based off of a book. It's based off an event, all right? So the Christian faith is not based off of a book. It's based off an event. And sometimes we we mix that around a little bit and and we get a little catty with it because when we we think about the Christian faith, we tend to think about the Bible, which is a good thing to think about. And we look and say, well, everything I believe is because of the Bible. It's all based off of the Bible. And I would look and say, well, let, let's push back into that a little bit. There's actually a layer deeper than the Bible, and it's the resurrection of Jesus, right? So if you start asking the question, well, why do you believe the Bible? Well, because it's the Word of God. Well, why do you believe it's the Word of God? Well, because it tells us about Jesus. Why do you believe that Jesus is God? See? Well, I, you know, I look at the Bible, and, and I trust it because Jesus trusted it, right? So Jesus is the one who who taught, who lived the New Testament, who told us to trust the apostles, who told us about the Holy Spirit. Like, we trust the second part of the Bible, the New Testament part, because Jesus trusted it. And we actually trust the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, because Jesus trusted it. He quoted the Old Testament all the time. And he believed that the prophets spoke on behalf of God. And he affirmed everything that God said in the Old Testament. He said, I and the Father are one. And so we would look at the, we'd look at the Bible and we'd look at Jesus and we would say, well, I believe in Jesus and I believe Christianity because of the Bible. And I would lean into that a little bit and say, actually, you don't, you don't, you just think to do, you don't. There's another layer that's beneath that, that anchors the whole thing. Why do you believe Jesus? Well, because his teachings were, were good and wise. Well, there's been a lot of people whose teachings are good and wise. Confucius, Buddha, Gandhi, right? A lot of people. Well, because he loved us. Well, your mom loves you. You don't believe anything she says, right? So wh- wh- why, why Jesus? Well, he died for us. Well, now a lot of good people have died for good causes, right? So just think about like our own patriots, uh, men and women who would lay their life down and who we would be appreciative to. Think of a uh, A George Washington, who was willing to die for what he believed in, or Abraham Lincoln, who did, or Dr. King, who did. All of them espoused right things. A couple of them gave their lives for those right things. So why is Jesus different, right? Wouldn't he just kind of sit up there with all the good guys that kind of inspire us and all the deep thinking that kind of, you know, anchors us a little bit? Why do we look at Jesus differently? And it's because of the resurrection, right? The fact that Jesus lived, spoke, taught, loved, gave his life, and then you can't stop the story there. You have to go all the way. And he rose again from the dead. That's why we don't look at Jesus as a moral teacher, a great philosopher, or a, a righteous man who gave his life. We look and say, no, Jesus is God. Where do you get that from? Um, he raised himself from the dead, kind of anchored it for me, right? He. he He said he was God. He demonstrated his love. And then he proved his deity. By his own will, he laid his life down. By his own power, he raised it up again. You pull the resurrection out, and all of the power and the truth and definition of Jesus goes away. Why is what he said true? Why is what he said uh, uh, something that we should lock into? Why is it foundational? Because he's not another moral teacher. Other moral teachers drew their teaching from Jesus. He's the definition of truth. He's the definition of love. He's the definition of directives for our lives because he's God who spoke. How do you know he's God? Because he rose again from the dead. Okay, so it's huge. Now, you may not agree with me, which would shock me, by the way, if you didn't agree with me because I'm well-spoken, I'm smart, and I'm very attractive. And so, in fact, I like, I like being up here because I can see myself on the screen. It's nice. Hello, everyone in the cafe. You're welcome. <laughs> all right? So, the, so if you don't agree with me, let me show you another guy who uh, he doesn't agree with me. I actually agreed with him. He's the one who taught me this. All right? So let me show you. Grab your Bibles. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Where does all this come from? It comes right out of the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Bible says here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You don't have a Bible? There's some there in the chairs. It's page 801 and those Bibles actually out in the cafe. There's Bibles out there too at the at the information desk and around. You can grab one of those. Page 801. If you're electronic, we use the U version app. So real quickly, post up, my pastor just caught me on Facebook. Go ahead and post that and then open up the U version app cuz I can see your phones from where I'm standing, all right? So the U version app Hit live, our zip code 44333, verse 12 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Everything I just told you is actually what the Apostle Paul said. So this is what the Apostle Paul, these are his words now. He says this, verse 12, but if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, uh, how, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And here it is, ready? Your faith is futile, and you are still living in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who fall asleep. The Apostle Paul is just saying, I, I was just saying what the Apostle Paul said. He, he's saying, guys, listen, if there's no resurrection from the dead, it all collapses. If Jesus didn't raise again from the dead, your faith is useless because we're following a guy and there's a bunch of guys and we're not following God. If he didn't raise from the dead, it's useless. If he didn't raise from the dead, your faith is futile. In fact, if there's no resurrection of the dead, we're still in our sin. So if there's no resurrection from the dead, there's no forgiveness. Our sins can't be forgiven, right? If Jesus didn't defeat sin on the cross, then we're dead in our sins. If there's no resurrection from the dead, he says those who are asleep are lost. Uh, those who are asleep is the Bible's way of saying those who have died. So if there's no resurrection of the dead, there's no heaven. If Jesus didn't defeat sin and Jesus didn't defeat death, there's no hope of an eternal heaven. It's all, it's all lost. In fact, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we above all people should be pitied. We're fools. Why, why are we the most beautiful day of the year so far and we came to church? That's dumb, right? Unless we're worshiping and celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the dead, then it's the best thing we could have chosen to do today. You take the resurrection out, it all goes away. Salvation goes away, the hope of heaven goes away, the truth of the Bible goes away, the directives for life goes away, the power for living goes away. It all goes away if the resurrection goes away, because the resurrection is the foundation of it all. Jesus being God, demonstrated through his resurrection, so there's no mistake for us that he is God, is what anchors all that we believe and all that we hope in. Now that's the Apostle Paul who said that. And let's just talk for a second about who he is. The Apostle Paul didn't believe in Jesus. Right? So the Apostle Paul, he he wasn't like a, a peasant farmer or like a tribesman or something like that. The Apostle Paul had the ancient equivalent of a PhD. So he was a Roman citizen. He grew up in a town which people were very, very highly educated. And he is one of the great thinkers and philosophers of the day with the educational pedigree to match it. So when you think of the Apostle Paul, like if you think of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, you think of the Apostle Paul in there. He's one of those guys, okay? Now, he didn't believe in Jesus. So he, in fact, he kind of hated Christians. He viewed them as, as undermining the political establishment. So he got permission from the government to go and try to wipe them out. He was on a mission to commit a genocide against Christians. He wanted to kill them so that things will remain normal. And that's what Paul did, right? He then says, I was on my, I was on this road to this town and the resurrected Jesus showed up. He talked to me. I looked at him. It was Jesus. And Jesus told me that he wanted me to quit doing what I was doing and he wanted me to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I had that experience. And that experience was real and it so affected Paul that he went from being the guy that was trying to commit genocide against Christians to a guy that gave the rest of his life to proclaiming that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. In fact, he died he was martyred, he was killed because he would not recant that. The, he kept getting arrested. And they, would, they were like, Paul, if you would shut up, like you'd get off the, nope, not doing it. All right, we're gonna let you go, but just don't tell anybody else about Jesus. He'd walk out of jail and be like, Jesus rose from the dead. He'd get rearrested again, right? And it went all the way until he was executed for it. He would not knock it off because he interacted with the resurrected Jesus. It altered his life and he did a 180. And he proclaimed that jesus rose from the dead. in fact that's actually what he's doing in this passage if you if you raise your eyes just a little bit on the page to verse three paul's in the middle of telling the story and he tells us what he learned what god told him when he interacted with the resurrected jesus christ verse three he says for what i received i passed on to you as of first importance that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, when Paul says according to the scriptures, he doesn't mean that he read it in the Bible. What he means is this. Paul had his PhD in Old Testament. So he was an Old Testament scholar, in essence, okay? So he knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophets really, really well. And he knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. God had told the prophets in the Old Testament that a Messiah was gonna come. And there's a little over 30 different prophecies that in detail describe who the Messiah is. Paul would have known those by heart. And what he says is, Jesus matched every one of those prophecies. It's statistically impossible for Jesus to be anybody but the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. And so according to the scriptures, all these things happen, and then I interacted with this resurrected Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's legit, and I will not back off that story. So Paul says, there's three ways that you know that. There's three ways that Jesus affirmed with me, and he said this, that Jesus of the Scriptures, he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. Now, after Jesus was first executed, and three days later when he rose again, a bunch of the, especially the government, some of the religious leaders came out and said, nah, this happened, this happened, this happened. He didn't really raise again from the dead. So one of the things that they said was, well, Jesus, I mean, maybe people saw him because there's all these eyewitnesses that saw him after he rose again from the dead. Maybe they saw him, but it's because he never really died. He never really died. And I'm telling you, Jesus died. Well, how do you know that, Jeff? Well, Because of this, Jesus was arrested and tried as a Roman political prisoner. And one of the things that the Romans prided themselves on doing, read your history, one of the things they prided themselves on doing was executing people. They literally invented new ways to execute people. They invented the crucifixion. In fact, it's how they projected their power and kept the citizenry in line because they did it with fear. One time there was this, this uh, rebellion, one of the Roman provinces. The Roman army came in. They captured 300 of these rebels. They crucified him. They lined the main highway with crosses, and then they crucified these rebels on the crosses. They left them there to die, and then they left their corpses up to rot. So when you went to work every day and you saw the power of the Roman government, you, you no longer thought about rebelling, right? You fell into line. They were masters at it. And Jesus was arrested, tried in a Roman court, and convicted as a Roman political prisoner. He was causing unrest. He was then gone through the, the Roman process of execution. So first he was beaten. And the Romans had invented this whip. They had like this, this strong handle on it, and then they put these leather talons on it. And at the end of those talons, they would tie in fragments of bone, glass, and metal. And they designed it so that when they whipped a prisoner, that whip would come around their back, lodge into their abdomen, and then peel the flesh and the muscle away from their stomach. So by the time that Jesus was done being beaten, His intestines, his arteries, some of his organs, and the bone in his ribs and back would have all been exposed. Then he was taken to the place of execution. Then he was nailed to the cross. Then he bled out until finally his lungs filled with his own bodily fluid and Jesus in essence drowned from his own bodily fluid. Then the Roman commander looked at one of his soldiers and said, you make sure he's dead. So that soldier took a spear, pushed it up through his side, under his ribs, and would have hit his heart. And when he removed the spear, the Bible says that blood and water flowed. The reason that the Roman commander ordered his soldier to do that is because under Roman law, if the commander was charged to execute someone and he failed to do it, the commander and his, his, arm, his soldiers were all executed instead. Jesus was dead, right? He died on that cross. And Paul says that happened according to scripture. Then he was buried. How was he buried? Who buried him? Well, there was a member of the Jewish ruling council and another kind of upstanding citizen, a businessman that went to the Roman government and petitioned to get his body off of the cross. They took his body and they wrapped it in burial cloth. It kind of looked like a mummy, except they didn't do everything the Egyptians did. They would just wrap you like that. And then Jesus' friends who had handled his body, some of his uh, friends who were ladies, they, they went and they prepared spices to bury him with. There was no embalming, so they would put spices on the body as it decomposed, right? Then he was put into a tomb. Then the tomb was sealed with a stone. And then the Roman government put the Roman seal on the stone and, and positioned Roman guards outside the tomb. They didn't want anybody to seal the body. If you broke that seal, you broke any Roman seal from the government, it, you were executed for it. So the seal, the guards, he was buried. His friends saw it. The people who prepared his body saw it. And the Roman government affirmed it and sealed him in the tomb. Then he rose again on the third day. According to the scriptures, Jesus rose again. His, his, his uh, absence was first caught by his friends. These two ladies came down. They saw that his body was gone. Now, this is hilarious. They had lost their faith. So they didn't, but they thought somebody stole his body. They, didn't, they had lost their faith in the resurrection because the crucifixion was so brutal. They run back. They get a couple of the disciples, Peter and John. They come down. They don't believe it either, right? Until Jesus finally appeared to them. And then, poor Jesus, like, what do I have to do here, people? You know, it's like, so then they trust it. In addition, the Roman guards, they got brought before, kind of like this court. They came before this court and they testified. These are the guards now. They testified that something supernatural happened at that tomb. These angels came down and rolled the, rolled the, the stone away. Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose again. See? Paul knew this and believed it and had interacted with him. In fact, what Jesus did next, he starts talking to people. So look at uh, verse 5 and following. After he was raised again, he appeared to, to uh, Caiaphas. That, that's another name for Peter. So he appeared to Peter and then to the 12, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. This is being written about 20 or 30 years after all of this happened. So most of them are still living, although some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. So Jesus raises from the dead, he goes and he, t- he talks to the disciples. And who, who are these disciples? Are they these simple country bumpkins? No. One of them is a doctor. One of them is a governmental official. He's a tax official. Several of them are significant small business owners. They had good businesses. These are smart, capable. They're not naive, foolish people. They have good heads on their shoulders. They, believe, they saw him crucified, and they believed that they interacted with him after he rose again. Then he appeared to 500 eyewitnesses at once. And Paul says, he showed up at what these people who were in the crowds, they saw him die. Everybody knew he died. They saw him die and then they interacted with him after he rose again from the dead. And Paul says, if you don't believe me, ask that most of them are still alive, right? Bill, he's still alive. Wanda, these are ancient Hebraic names. Wanda, she's still alive, you know, good old Hebrew names. go talk to them. They were eyewitnesses and they're still living. Then he appeared to his brother, James, right? James was Jesus's brother. James and his brother, Jude, Jesus's family never believed he was God. They, They never bought that. Only his mom did, but his siblings didn't. The Bible tells us this. His family thought he was crazy right? Can you imagine growing up with a brother who thinks he's God? Some of you are like, yeah, I can imagine that, right? So so you you know what you think about your brother, right? You don't believe me. Jesus appears to James. James did not believe that he was God until after the resurrection. And then he became a leader in the the, uh, Jerusalem church, wrote the book of James and died a martyr's death because he would not back off the truth that his brother rose again from the dead. So you really got to believe that to die for your brother, right? Appeared to him. Guys, you you take the historical evidence, you take the archaeological evidence, you take 500 plus eyewitnesses along with citizens of high standing... You bring all of that into court today with today's judicial standards and you will win that case every time. Jesus rose from the dead, right? Just like he said he would, just like the prophets of old said he would. Paul saw it, others saw it, he rose from the dead. Now, here's the thing. The resurrection is not a historical question. It, it, that's been satisfied. The resurrection is a personal question. This is a big deal. It's not a historical question. Why, why is it that we so struggle with the resurrection that is historically provable, right? Because even outside the Bible, the historian Justin, the historian uh, Tertullian, they both said that there was a resurrection, other ancient historians said that right after the time of the resurrection, they begin to document that there was, um, uh, the, the Greek word would translate into a word that's like a, a murmur. There was a murmur throughout Jerusalem that people were seeing and interacting with Jesus. So this wasn't a legend that has developed over hundreds and hundreds of years. It, it was right, right off the press people were dealing with it, okay? Why do we struggle with it, then, if other pieces of ancient history we readily accept? So we, we would look at other pieces of ancient Roman history, which is when all of this happened, and we would accept it. We, we accept the conquest of Rome, the, the government of Rome, right? It's ancient history. We accept that there were gladiators, right? We even think they look like Russell Crowe. They didn't. They look more like me. I'm just saying. It's true, read your history. I have a gladiator's body, (laughs) you know? We we accept that Caesar was assassinated. We accept that. There's other pieces of ancient history that have even less evidence than the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we readily accept. But when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, we'll push it off, because there's no way that could have ever happened. Why, Why do we do that? Because the resurrection is not a historical question, it's a personal one. If if we get the gladiators wrong, or you know, it's 75, who cares? If we find another rock that says something a little bit different about Roman, who cares? But the resurrection of Jesus has very profound ramifications for my life personally. If Jesus rose again from the dead, then I am now dealing with God. And what God says, and what God tells me to lean into, what God tells me to trust, all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not listening to a story or a fable or some moral tales. All of a sudden now, The God of the universe is speaking to me. And the God of the universe is taking some authority in my life. And now I I have to interact with him as God. I either have to yield to him as God or discount him as God. I can't leave the resurrection as this historic kind of neutral fact. It's a very, very personal fact that deeply affects my soul. If Jesus is a moral guy or a good guy, then he joins a long list of of good, moral, wise people. If he's God, then when he says things like, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, nobody comes to the Father unless they come through me. Well, that's a, whole, that's a whole different animal, isn't it? Now, all of a sudden, Jesus just said, there's one way to heaven, and I, I have to go through him. There's one way to have my sins forgiven. There's one way of having eternal security. There's one way of hope. There's one way of power. He is God, the sole God. Buddha was a wise guy. Gandhi was a good man. Confucius had a lot of neat things to say. Jesus raised himself from the dead totally different animal. All of a sudden, Christmas becomes powerful. Jesus' death takes on a whole nother meaning. The Bible becomes authoritative because these are the words and the life and the teachings of God who stepped out of heaven, stepped into the human existence, demonstrated his love through his death and defined his deity through his resurrection. Just like the Apostle Paul, or James, or Jude, or John, all of a sudden, the question of the resurrection becomes a huge question for me. In fact, the question of the resurrection, how I view it and how I understand it, becomes the defining question of my life. Because if this is God who raised again from the dead and that same God tells me and teaches me how to have security and hope for my soul and power for my life, how I interact with the person of Jesus Christ becomes life altering for me and all of it hinges on the resurrection. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10. He said this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, if anyone who believes in him, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I believe Jesus's teachings are good. That, that's awesome. I believe his way of life is a better choice. That's fantastic. I believe that the morality of of Jesus is great. That's awesome. I believe that the support and the mission of the church is is a positive thing. That's great. Do you believe he raised again from the dead? Because that's a game changer. Now I'm interacting with God, and nothing he says is far-fetched. Nothing recorded in the Bible is impossible, right? Jesus can raise himself from the dead. Three guys can survive a furnace. If Jesus can raise himself from the dead, right, then, then, then Joseph can be used. None of it becomes fable because all of it is lesser than the resurrection of the dead. And the hinge point of faith is believing by faith who Christ is, The demonstration of his love, the passion of his heart for us, and the demonstration of his deity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's what, I call this the Easter math, right? Here's the logic of it. It goes like this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then he is God, If he is God, then his love is true. If his love is true, his teachings are good and right. If his teachings are good and right, then he has defined for us not only the path to salvation, but to a way of life that pleases him and benefits us.